0: Welcome back folks to the Virtually Agile Podcast, where we bring you conversations with agile thought leaders and newer voices alike. I'm your host, Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach. In today's episode, I'm joined by a former air crew member turned agile coach. We hear about the flight path on our guest's journey from her non-traditional background into the agile world. And we play an aeronautical-themed game called Agile Turbulence, Navigating Team Challenges. It's fantastic. So sit back, relax, and join us for this exciting discussion. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Virtually Agile podcast, folks. I'm your host, Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and today we have the pleasure of being joined by Elle, a former flight crew member turned Agile expert. Elle, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: i am good it's a sunny day so can't complain really
0: fantastic it's not sunny where i am it's bloody miserable alas now El, you've got a a particularly unique trajectory that really surprised me when our paths first crossed at a bar in london as part of a, a social event with work i hadn't ever honestly anticipated the transition from flight crew or someone working in the airline industry to agile so Tell me about your journey. Tell us about your journey to becoming an Agile coach. What were the stops on your flight path to get there?
1: Sure. So I guess a bit of an interesting one. Um, I wasn't just a classic hostie either. I did try to get involved in as much as I could um, from the ground side of things. So kicked off when I joined Virgin Atlantic. I did actually start um, by being their charity ambassador fairly early on and headed out and started doing some filming for them. Um, And that trip was within my first six months. I was with the CCO down there. So the commercial director was with us straight away. And um, I just got chatting to people and ended up involved in all sorts of different projects and programs over the years. Um, Became one of the sky pioneers, um, which was like their crew safety and uh, customer experts who helped with their new customer app designs. Um, so they did lots of customer journey planning and had conversations with us around what we felt our use, user kind of friendliness was with um, applications that were going to be on board for us. So from that kind of met their scrum teams. So Vegin is quite a heavily scrum orientated company. They were already disruptors before I joined them. That's just the way their culture goes and how they act as a company. So it makes sense that they're already agile. Um, And I joined in 2011, so fairly well into their Agile journey by that point. And, yeah, basically um, got involved in as much as I could, started doing some projects with them, um, started implementing them on board the aircraft, um, getting into those feedback loops. And as I sort of got towards the end of my 10 years with them, um, I started to think about going elsewhere at that point. And then COVID just kind of pushed me out the door. So at that point, I had... An opportunity to remake who I was at that point and use the experience I got, which is so much experience. Um, as a cabin crew member, you're a, you're not just there for tea, coffee, or or me, <laughs> um, but you are there for um, for so much other things like safety, medical emergencies. You're there to be a seamless team from start to finish. Um, And you're empowered to take on board everything that's happening in that flight and make the best of that situation. Um, So taking all of that kind of knowledge with me out into affectionately known as the real world right now, away from my perfect airline bubble, um, into um, I I went to work for a water company, um, first of all, and they were going through their first safe transformation. So they were going agile. Um so got in there at the beginning and I was like well actually I kind of have quite a bit of experience in this agile world because I've been working in it with the teams on the ground at Virgin for a while. Um so if there's anything I can help with and the agile coach that was in there kind of took me under his wing and together we helped roll out um the first art launch. Um there so got into that pretty quickly. And then 8 or 9 months later um I got offered another job with a pharmaceutical company, tech company. Um, that actually want to take me on as a scrum master as my fir- for my first time, and it kind of went from there.
0: I love that you've added in the flight based pun there about him taking you under his wing, and just for anyone <laughs> listening, we're going to feature more of those flights related puns throughout the show today. Oh my gosh. Uh, now, uh, intriguing, intriguing, really interesting background. I said it completely surprised me when I first heard your story. And I remember we had a few drinks at this point. Uh, we were in that bar and we were talking about how your your experience and the, the, the teams that you are working with, they weren't stable. And a lot of the agile world of work had often been saying about how the best teams are those that have been around together for a while. We want long lived product teams to be successful. And I was struck by how you told me the story of how the teams in, your, in, the, in these flight crews, they weren't always the same team over and over. And actually, they came together, sometimes not even knowing who they were going to be working with on that given day, and yet they still performed excellently. So tell me more a little bit about that, because I think it would be really beneficial to our listeners.
1: Yeah, for the listeners' perspective, um, uh, when I did my training, by the end of the 10 years, there was people that I trained with that I never actually flew with. So that's how vast it is. You work on rosters that are not fixed. You request specific areas and locations or maybe start times of the flights if you've got a longer commute. Um, you've got a preference of whether you prefer longer trips or shorter trips. And then you've also got standby call-outs. So that whole time you're in flux, like your your entire roster over a year will look completely different month to month. So it naturally just fluxes. So nine times out of ten, when you turn up in the morning, you either haven't met anyone on the crew or maybe have only ever flown with one or two people and probably not at the same time. So we're completely different. Um, Part of it, I think, um, give Virgin and on recruitment. They go through a great recruitment process and try to figure out whether you're going to fit in as part of a team straight away um so they recruit based on whether you fit their team ethics and how they work together as a team everything's based around team exercises in their um in their recruitment process um and that's not just for the cabin crew that's the pilots as well um so from day 1 you're kind of already integrating into this team that they've created, and they want to see specific things from you, that positive angle, everyone's got that kind of, I can do itude, I want to help, I want to be part of this, I want to be part of the Virgin brand, I want to be flying with them, um, the whole time. So you get people from day one that have the same goal orientation, they, they believe in the Virgin brand, they believe in what Virgin brings to the table. Um. So I think that's a big part of why it's so successful at Virgin, but it's not just... Virgin that does it it's every airline that does this most crews are seamless absolutely seamless when you get on board an aircraft you would never know that they've never met each other before and we have a 20 minute briefing so if you think of a daily scrum kind of similar sort of thing daily briefing that's where you meet everyone for the start of your day together Um, start of your flight start of your trip potentially you could be away for seven days with this crew and that that 20 minutes is Firstly, a security and safety briefing, make sure everyone's on the same page for those things, um, for what's happening with that flight that day, those specific interest things. And then it's a bit of a social chat. Who's gonna do this down route? Who wants to do this? Or who's coming for a beer at beer tonight in the bar? Or, you know, those social barriers straight away are broken down and we have those conversations um in that first 20 minutes. And as we're walking out to the aircraft, that happens too. And then as soon as we hit the door, we all know exactly what our roles are for the day. We have a position and a number on the flight. We know what's expected from that role for that day. And we also know who we've got around us. We've already met them. Um, And that's when we'll start our interactions as a team um, for the day as well. So if I'm number five, say, I'll go ahead to my number five position. I'll do exactly what I'm meant to do for number five's position on security and safety checks. And then I'll check in with my opposite position, which most aircraft it's a number 10, but it depends what aircraft you're on. Um, You'll have that conversation with your number 10, get to know them, have a conversation in the galley and a cup of tea whilst you're just doing your final security checks of the aircraft before you get the passengers on board. And then you are set for the day, but it's those things that I think are the key to success. Like first you're hiring, making sure you're hiring into a team to um, making sure everyone is absolutely clear on their roles and three, giving people time, just even if a very short period of time and you get really good at it years and years of flying get really good at downloading your life history in 20 minutes <laughs> um, and getting to find those people within that crew that match you and that you you know you can spend a couple of days with going around la or hong kong or one of those places um it's a unique job that you get to have that time with people but so you have to build that relationship quickly at the beginning and then bang you're into a team scenario from there on in
0: amazing so we're, we're building in the strong foundations of a high performing team right from the beginning, with how we are aligned as to a common purpose, with how we communicate with one another, and with that focus on teamwork as part of the culture. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a hell of a lot of training that goes with it that I kind of missed off there as well. Like, There's a reason we know what our roles are on the aircraft and you are trained to perfection on those roles. Um, but you've trained on all of them. So you are that T shaped person. You can sit in any of those seats on that aircraft and perform any of those roles. Including the pilot. Mm. <laughs> Arguable. There is part of your training if if that had to happen, then there is a possibility that you might need to take that seat and um but obviously that would be last case scenario.
0: So moving aside the, the obvious skill, which is ensuring that Chris has his mid-flight gin. What other skills do you believe are uniquely, well, not even just uniquely, but particularly transferable between flight crew to agileist that you think others should know about?
1: I mean, the key one's people skills, right? Being able to talk to people, being able to listen and understand and to observe. I mean, you're working with someone on the other end of a trolley (laughs) in the aisle or whether it's a passenger, you want to start picking up on those things very quickly in that job. And you do naturally, again, it takes time once you start as cabin crew, but you start to pick up when things aren't quite what they're seeming to be or Things have gone a little bit too far with their gin and tonics mid flight, or um, situations aren't quite what you're expecting. You're starting to pick them up early and you're starting to have those conversations and that transparency within your team to say, just want to let you guys know. And this is quite a common thing. We'll all go back to the galley if something we've seen is not quite what we're expecting. Just want to let you all know this is what's happening. This is the situation. This is how we're handling it so far. We're going to let the flight crew know just in case something else comes of it. but for now it's just for awareness and we'll have those conversations throughout a flight when things don't feel quite right um, and give each other the support as well because it could just be one person that's feeling that way and we might need to switch them around all of those kind of conversations happen just as they would within a scrum team day to day you know you're going to have that kind of someone's not quite right today like within our team something's things maybe he's got something going on at home maybe they've got something you know not quite quite right with how they're feeling today how do we pick up that slack how do we change that around and how do we make that work together so they're things naturally as crew members it's the same as waiting staff they kind of do the same thing you're picking up on each other you're picking up on the scenario and the situation you're in and having that massive amount of situation situational awareness but it's all about reading people all of it goes back to that those people skills and being able to try and figure out the root cause of what's going on even if you can't know the actual cause you can see how they're like emotionally charged at that point
0: i can definitely see how that that customer focus and those people people skills can very much be useful in an agile environment in fact essential in an agile environment and just so you know l i never have too much proof or gin in the middle of the flight. In fact, my, my routine used to be when I was traveling back and forth from the US is I'd go sit in the Amex lounge, lounge and have eight double gin and tonics and then get on the flight. So my mid-flight gins wouldn't be that heavy because I'd already, I'd already be fairly on my way. And that made it easier for me to sleep. So that was just my own little trick to, to make a flight. Yeah, barely. see,
1: I'd be spotting that when you got on the flight and I'd probably keep one eye on you too because God knows if we have to evacuate, you're probably going to need a little bit of help.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I tend to carry it Sorry. quite well, fortunately. So even when I've had a fair few, I'm pretty coherent. I'm pretty able to look after myself. I'm not a liability. I tend to be the one who looks after others when uh, on a night out, rather than being someone to look after. But that's just me, anyway. Okay. Right. So we, we we kind of alluded to there some of the the habits, maybe the the rituals, the routines that you have uh, to you know, communicate with one another. Now, I'm keen to hear about any particular habits, routines, rituals, or otherwise that your time in, the, you know, as a, or as a flight crew, are any of those things that you've incorporated into your, your agile practice and, and that help you in agile coaching and how they help your teams.
1: Oh, from a communication point of view, I think that I that alluded to the transparency there straight away. Transparency is key and just making sure everybody is communicated with and everybody's on the same page. Um, So when you've got a bulletproof door between you and some of your team members for the day, um, it's really hard for them to know what's going on behind that door. And they probably need to. Um, They're going to be the ultimate decision makers on whether that aircraft needs to divert or needs to land early or whether they can continue or not. And they're going to need to be able to start prepping for that if something does go south pretty quickly um and it's only the same thing if we think of our stakeholders and the people we've got outside of the team too if you imagine that they're the pilots behind that door and it's how we're going to talk to them and how we're going to bring them in on the picture do we need to tell them to the nth degree of someone's had 18 gin and tonics in the lounge before they got on board and now they're throwing up in galley one and now we're having to do this like no they don't need to know that but they need to know we've got somebody that's not so well at the moment who's acting a little bit strange and we just wanna keep an eye on them, we'll let you know if there's any further updates or if there's anything else we need from you. Um, same with your stakeholders, you need to manage that relationship. You don't want them overreacting and, and you know pulling a product because one of the developers has gone rogue for a little bit. You actually wanna be able to have those conversations, keeping people in the loop, keeping them transparent so they know that something's not quite as they were expecting, but to a point where you're making sure the right people are in the know. The rest of the crew definitely need to know what's going on, especially when you've got those very, very long flights, you know, flights to Hong Kong, flights over to Japan. Um, some of those crew are going to have to go to bed at some point, And the next set of crew are going to be the people dealing with that same person. Um, whilst they've been having a lovely little nap and you're uh, dealing with them, it's their turn next. Um, because it is mandatory safety that those crew get a certain amount of sleep on those flights. They have mandatory rest orders. So, we want to make sure that 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 can be handed over pretty easily and quickly to you. So, generally, a note's not going to do it. Face to face communication, we go back to that. Um, We want to be having that conversation with the people that need to be dealing with it as well.
0: Amazing. Really like hearing the, the stories about different industries that I again wouldn't have ever experienced had I not encountered someone like you. So I'm loving hearing these, and I'm sure the, the listeners will, will benefit from hearing these also. Right. I think it's time for a little bit of a game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I I did what I did forewarn you, but it's gonna be fantastic. So it's the game is called Air Turbulence navigating team challenges and how, how it's going to work is i'm going to give you a common agile team challenge and you've got to come up with a solution inspired by your flight crew experience are you ready oh my gosh
1: i think give so. it a go
0: you're all good don't <laughs> worry right so the first one is okay. getting everyone on board with a shared vision and goal
1: Do I have to come up with a punny That's not response? doesn't have to be
0: pun-based. Just, just, yeah. just, just <laughs> okay. combine, combine your, your, your unique backgrounds and suggest how you think you could help a team that needed to get on board with a shared vision on goal.
1: Yeah, um, make sure that vision's as clear as daylight. It's simple, it's easy to understand, and everybody knows about it. Um, there's nothing worse than a lackluster strategy so if everybody knows it knows what they're going to be doing and believes in it we're all going
0: there. and any particular strategies that you you rely rely upon sorry to to bring people together and and, and create that clear sense of vision and purpose I don't toolbox. know donuts
1: always help to bribe <laughs> people but um food yeah food's always a good one a social a social setting as much as possible try and make things as relaxed and easy so if we're gonna you know have an introduction to a team try take it to the canteen or somewhere that's away from the office area and when we talk about remote calls try and have a non-specific um environment for them to first get to know each other once you've broken down that initial barrier then start bringing in Okay this is what we're going to do from here and get the feedback on it. Make it collaborative. If people are bought in and invested in it, then it's going to fly a lot faster. Yes, there we go. Then <laughs> if you just dump it on them and say, here, this is what you're going to be doing, right? People need to feel empowered and bought in.
0: So powerful generally. that is. And, and that's what I tend to refer to as inviting change rather than inflicting change. So if you, if you co-create the path forward with people, aligned around a common why we're headed in this direction and co-create the path forward with them they're more likely to buy into it feel part of it feel connected to it Uh, there'll be less resistance as a consequence the other thing that i often do is i remind people that hey what we're what we're creating today is not permanent it's not fixed it's an experiment and we will reflect upon it We'll inspect and adapt how it's going, and we might adjust, we might remove, we might amplify, we might dampen based on what we learn. So yeah, absolutely, I love love your approach there.
1: Leave that open door for yes. change, absolutely.
0: All right, the next one, all right. We know that the aviation industry is very, very keen on safety. So how do you help a team with a lack of safety checks in the team, either psychologically or quality-wise?
1: So a um, big, big passion of mine is human factors. Um, so, It's something we employ in the aviation industry. We know that 70% of all major incidents come from human factors. It's the human response to things that causes accidents and causes people to die. It's one of the fastest learning industries in the world for that purpose. If someone dies, we learn about it, and we sure as hell make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, so that's from Boeing. That statistic, by the way, that 70% of all accidents are caused by human error. Um, And there's this thing called the Dirty Dozen. Now, I have got it wrote down here because I knew I wouldn't remember them out loud. Um, But all of them speak to all of those problems and those lack lack of safety within a team and how you can kind of start to bring that back on board within a team as well. Um, So a few of them are, hang on, (laughs) I've just lost it, Um, lack of communication, complacency, lack of knowledge, distraction, lack of teamwork, fatigue, lack of resources, pressure, lack of assertiveness, stress lack of awareness and norms so they're all the reasons why safety issues happen in the aviation industry and they're all very much reasons why safety issues happen whether that's within a a program or within a team will come to light as well um so it's trying to build that trust and like my biggest like my biggest thing to pass on to any agile coach is be vulnerable if you're vulnerable and you're open and you say hang on i don't understand this it opens a door for other people to say Actually, I don't either. Or if you're vulnerable personally and say, I'm really sorry, I can't handle it today. I didn't sleep very well last night. Like, I'm really struggling. It opens the door for other people to go, okay, we'll help you with that. Um, So if you start to show that, it gives people the opportunity to feel like they're welcome and they're able to do that, whether that's psychological safety or actual ability to perform in that job that day. If you know someone's not able to perform that day, it's a really big thing. Like you've got a line, you're either above it or you're below it. And this was one of the things that we had on board every day. And we talk about whether you're above the line or below the line. As soon as you're below the line, you spiral. So if someone's below the line in the morning, you might want to give them a break. You might want to give them a step back. So from the safety point of a product, you don't want them rushing through their day to try just get through the day. If I'm in the swimming pool, if I'm trying my hardest to get to the other end of the swimming pool, I will go a lot slower and wear myself out and burn myself out and feel a lot worse and potentially put myself in a dangerous situation by the time I get to the other end of the pool. So just giving people that time to think, giving that people time to sit back and go, okay, today's not my day, tomorrow I'll be back. Um, And giving people the opportunity to say that.
0: And by being vulnerable first... In a, a leadership position, it's one of the ways to unlock people's safety in sharing that themselves. I am such an advocate of the concept of celebrating failure. And I, I do this regularly as much as I can. I, I hold failure fests. I will share on LinkedIn, hey, I fucked up. I did this. I, I recently shared uh, a story with uh, a cohort of mine about how I was on stage with my flies down speaking at a conference and no one called, no one told me about it. And I said, Oh, look, I've just noticed this. And I said in front of everyone, just noticed this had happened. And someone said, Oh, that's uh, we thought it was a feature, not a bug. I thought it was a great response, but uh, we, we make mistakes. <laughs> we are human. We error. And it's completely natural. And by normalizing that behavior, we create an environment where people can feel comfortable saying that they're not their best self on that day, or they made a mistake. And it's all right, because we'll learn from it. And the learning from it is the important part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that's the entire aviation industry is built on that. It absolutely built on I'm that. I'm
0: intrigued by the, the concept of this this dirty dozen. I, I I It feels like you could turn that dirty dozen into some form of team charter exercise where you explicitly answer those questions or, or call those things out at the beginning and therefore create an alignment around how we avoid that dirty dozen happening to us as a team so maybe that's something we could explore creating sometime
1: yeah i absolutely love using that as part of my consultancy too For saying like the out of these dirty dozen what would be the worst thing we could do within these things so get them to actually like fill Mm. your plan almost to go if we did this what would the outcome of that be like how bad could it be and get them to think on the other end and i'm like great how far off those things are we and you start asking that question going, oh, actually we're not far off doing that sometimes. Maybe we need to look into that. Maybe we need to look into how we speak to our customers or how we're norming quite a lot right now and we're just skipping mm. over things. Um, it's a big, big thing to to use. It's a, it's a good tool. Um,
0: Sounds good. And again, another one I wouldn't have encountered had I not encountered you. Let's think about another one then. So we are trying to help a team find their cruising altitude, some stability, and how much they can achieve in a given time frame—a bit like velocity.
1: Hmm. What's the question? So there? we're back to the game.
0: How <laughs> how, how are we, we going to help that? a team do that? Leveraging your 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 backgrounds, how are we going to help a team do that?
1: Take the pressure off, first of all. Take take your foot off the gas or your hand off the throttle, if we want to go down that innuendo. But um, take your hand off the throttle. um, Remove the things that are causing the pressure, first of all, because there's always a a, a pressure to overperform. Um, no matter what. And if you kind of start protecting the team from that pressure, first of all, you'll start to see a much more realistic view of how they can work together. It takes a little bit of time. It's not going to be instantaneous, but over a few sprints, you'll start to see them relax into a rhythm. And that's when you'll start to get your better readings. If you start to take a measurement or a metric on a team when they're under continuous pressure um, and they haven't got any safety protections in place for them, then they're not going to be performing at your natural pace anyway for you to start measuring right so you have to make sure first of all you're removing all of that pressure from that measurement because it's not going to be accurate to start with um so once you've then got that team into a place where they feel removed from the pressure and you can kind of pick that up from retrospectives you can pick that up from clues within the way they're speaking to each other each day um, and generally how the the work is kind of flowing within the team once you've got a view of that and like i just trust the team i know that sounds so ridiculous but it doesn't necessarily need to be story points. It doesn't need to be, I don't know, cookie points, I whatever you want to call it. I don't care What how they're measuring it, how they're kind of stating it. I will ask the team how much they think they can do. That's the first thing I'll do. Like how much do you actually think you can do? And if they do it, great. If they don't, we retrospect, right? And we say, okay, so is there actually a valid reason why we couldn't do it? Is Did something really hold us up here and we got a bit stuck on that and maybe we should have just parked it and moved on? Or was it actually a sticking point that we needed to stick on? Um, and there's a valid reason why we didn't get it done. Um, or did we actually genuinely overload? Like, let's have that an honest conversation. Did we give ourselves a bit too much work this sprint? Yeah, okay, maybe we did. What should we do for the next sprint then? Okay, let's not take as much work in. Like, great, if we get it done sooner, bring stuff forward. Like I'm always a fan of bringing things forward than pushing things out, right? Never feels good for stuff to keep mounting and pushing and pushing. Um. So there's no fear in bringing it forward. In With one team, they just weren't getting it. And I, we'd kind of gone through all sorts of different things and they were still massively overloading themselves. So I was like, okay, I just want you to pick up one thing. Just one thing. Do one thing. Once that's done, then we'll do another thing. We're not going to have loads of stuff in progress. We're not all going to be doing different things. We're just going to do one thing. We're not going to measure it. We're not going to put a size on it. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to do one thing and bring it through. And then at the end of the sprint, we'll see where we get to. And that was the first time where they actually stopped and thought about their work and actually understood, okay, I don't need to bring all of this stuff in to prove anyone to anyone I can do it, right? I'm not here to prove a point of how much work I can do. I'm here to actually just continue with that and to try and deliver on what I've said I'll deliver on. And if that means just picking one thing up at once and promising one thing at once, then that's what we'll do.
0: Excellent. So taking the foot off the throttle a little bit and uh, visualizing hand, the hand, hand of the off throttle. Yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of the gas pedal although the, yeah, American <laughs> mindset. So yeah, taking the hand off the throttle, visualizing data, and asking the team how to proceed as a consequence and trying to reduce that stress love it good stuff right final one in the game then your team is struggling to land on consensus in meetings how do you help
1: take a step back first of all and say okay what's the problem we're actually asking here what is the problem we're trying to solve we all have different viewpoints. Do we need to bring someone else in that might be able to give us a different perspective on this? Do we need to get more information about what we're trying to discuss? Um, always a question to them, never never me trying to come in and say, this is what I think something will be. I'll probably have an opinion, I'm quite an opinionated person, but I leave that outside that scrum room, right? That's not for me as a scrum master or an agile coach to come in and say, hey, I've got an opinion on how you can do this. For me, it's sitting there and going, okay, Let's figure out how we got to this point, how we got to a point of disagreeing with each other, and are we actually disagreeing with each other? So go back to square one. Let's restate the problem. Let's say what that problem is, be explicit about it. Let's describe it to each other, and let's try and actually, as a team here, innovate on different ways to solve that problem and then try to come together on a different consensus, maybe to the ones that we had before. And if that's not going to be found within the team, then we'll go to an expert outside of the team, usually a stakeholder or product manager or someone with a little bit more uh, customer experience at that point is usually the person that can shed a little bit more light on where we're heading
0: all right so stepping back and focusing on the problem to be solved or what outcome we're trying to achieve here and then if we can't figure our way forwards seek some extra help if needed awesome well thank you for playing the game one more interesting question around uh agile in particular it's really crucial this one probably the most important question i could ask on this whole show today if you were going to create an an agile themed airline what would you name it and what would be its unique selling point asking the real questions now
1: (laughs) that is a real question oh my god i'm gonna have to think (laughs) about that um do you know chris you know i don't like the word agile so (laughs) spin it off it's really hard to build something around that. Flow airways?
0: Flowways. Flow airways. Okay. What would be its yeah. what would be its US It's quite a
1: mouthful actually, isn't it? Um I think it would be getting to your destination without a hitch.
0: Without a hitch.
1: Would it be okay. the Yeah. So the smoothest the smoothest journey you could complete.
0: I'd fly on that airline. I uh when, when I when I do an agile game around definition of done, I usually use the the you know, make some paper airplanes and throw them and you've got to achieve getting to this destination with a single piece of paper and then you add in like a, a payload to represent passengers and see if they can still get it flying correctly, et cetera, et cetera. And there's always a, a round in the game where I say right now agile airlines that's what i called it agile airlines is going to have some branding on it so it needs to have a logo called agile airways or agile airlines and you've got to draw this now and without fail every time i play this someone draws the uh the logo directly onto the plane they've made that that flies correctly and then i have to do that awful thing where i say nope sorry i didn't like the design now start again because what they didn't do is they didn't ask the product owner or seek feedback before they put it live into production. So I'm trying to encourage that sort of behavior, shorten yeah. the feedback loops. But yeah, Agile Airlines is my, my version like of that it. game, or that name, sorry.
1: I like that game. That could work. I'm working on site a lot with clients at the moment. So it'd be nice to actually get some physical kind of retrospective going on rather than just sitting around a room saying, hey, what's going on? <laughs> um, so yeah, it'd be nice to see if we can get Another favorite of
0: mine is uh, Agile Battleships. So you need like a a grid, an eight by eight grid. And the game Battleships, you know, where you select your A8 to H8. And what you do in the first round is you said, hey, we're going to play with delayed feedback. And what will happen is they'll make their attempts. They'll say H3 and you'll, you know, either put a post-it note on there or get them to physically drop something on that space. And nothing happens because they don't know. And they do it again and again, 30 attempts. And you ask them how they felt at the end. They're like, wow, it was frustrating. We didn't, we didn't know what was happening. Okay, what does that feel like? And then you play the next round, they get that instant feedback and they know they've hit something because you'll make a noise or you'll play a sound or whatever it may be, or you'll light up some, you'll, you'll make it a different colored poster note so you can tell that they've, they've been successful. And then obviously because they they get some instant feedback, they can alter their trajectory accordingly and make their next decision. And again, you ask how it feels. And, and typically, it's like, well, the first round was chaos. The second round, it was more, we felt more like a team. We were achieving something. We actually sunk more ships in the second round than in the first round. And it's uh, yeah, a very powerful exercise, I find, to emphasize the importance of shortening feedback loops and uh, what retrospectives ultimately give you. I like it. I give it like it.
1: Good ideas for in-person mm. ones.
0: Give it a go sometime.
1: I started this journey online, right? Yeah. So... I... I need all of this Well,
0: it can be done online too. There's a great website, Box UK, which has a, a digital version of that. So either online or in person, you can give that game a go. Now, my, my final question for you is if you could give any piece of advice to someone who is transitioning into the agile world from a non-traditional background, what would it be?
1: Talk to people. Talk to as many people as you can. Um Everyone has their own view of what Agile is or was or isn't, um, what frameworks work, what doesn't. Everyone loves to love things and hate things. And the more experience and the more people you talk to, you'll get more of a rounded vision of of what that actually is. Um, And take away, especially if you come from an operational world, take away all of that good soft skill stuff that you learned there um, that you can't write down um, and start putting them into practice with a team everything you did operationally whether that's as a like i said a waitress or a re- restaurant staff everything you did in that role will translate into a team in another way
0: amazing thank you for that so Elle, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today what and where thank you sorry what and where should people learn from you or where, learn about you sorry if they'd like to connect with you
1: um just linkedin i think I'm, I'm not like yourself i'm afraid i'm not the best content provider just yet um i guess i'll find out how to do that at some point but um yeah just L. Hague on linkedin um and if you want to connect with me i'm always happy to chat um i love talking if you haven't guessed already have guessed. so <laughs> um i have got a question uh, please for you do too, ask away very Go for quickly it. do you has your opinion on airline crew changed since you met me
0: Absolutely. I think my, my view was somewhat jaded. I guess you can only perceive things through the lens of your experience. And I think when when you are typically someone who just receives a service, like getting on an airline, you don't tend to wonder as much or, or think about as much what goes on in the background. And I think my perception initially was that, oh, these crews, they probably meet up all the time and they, you know, that they've got some semblance of that they're always a team so that's why they' they're pretty well well drilled uh, but I just didn't I had no idea that someone could come from that background and uh, find their way into the, the agile coaching world. So my perception has definitely changed and thank you for that and this is why I love doing what I do. I, I network with people across the globe from all these different backgrounds, experiences, cultures, From different countries and different demographics and it it all just fits and it it makes me a better person it makes me a better at what I do because I hear from these experiences and I get inspiration as to how I could do things a little bit differently from a different background I could combine completely different worlds into into different ways of working and it's just fun to then experiment and see what happens so thank yeah thank you for changing my mind or not, not change my mind but enlightening me
1: I'm glad I could be of service.
0: <laughs> All right, folks, don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. We also have a newsletter at Virtually Agile where we share weekly tips on how to continuously improve every day whilst having fun in the process. And on the topic of fun, Elle specifically wanted me to teach her how to do my my signature look, which uh, it's a bit of a lopsided smile. So, Elle, what do you do? Is raise one eyebrow, a little bit of a smirk to the side. Almost there. Almost there, I think I'm <laughs> Good failing. Work. Good work, Nice try. <laughs> Don't stop believing, folks. Have a great day. I <laughs> know. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.